I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of My Week in Cars, the Autocar podcast with me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Stephen. Matthew, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for joining me in my salubrious studio surroundings. Yeah, to the back of a Volkswagen Multivan. This is the this is the first for us, isn't it? A it panel is. van. Uh, it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. We've been in cars before, but never the van. I've turned round my one of the passenger seats to face you, so it's got the full and it's got the table out, so it's got the full office. What do they call it? There's uh, an executive version of this van, which comes with the seats already like this. I think. Yeah, damn nice. good. No cocktail cabinet. No shame. No shame. No gun cabinet, no cocktail cabinet, but pretty comfy. I like it. So over the next half an hour or so, Steve and I are going to be talking about our respective autocar columns and talking all things cars. And of course, we'll have some of your correspondence. You can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com. And David Howard has done this. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Steve. But So he says, there is an issue I find confusing, and that is the way you mix metric, SI, and imperial units, e.g. brake horsepower, kilowatt hours, pounds foot, etc., which we use in the Mac. Ideally, I would like to see your magazine use um, metric units throughout, but as the government hasn't implemented metric road signs, I guess that is a step too far for now. Uh, now it should be pointed out that David is a chartered engineer and a fellow of the Institute. Institution for Engineering and Technology. So you can see where he's, where, he's, where he's coming from. A particular issue, he says, is that your continued use of brake horsepower. That may have been appropriate in the days of the horseless carriage, but is an anachronism in the middle of the 21st century. For electric cars in particular, it makes no sense to quote motor power in horsepower, but the battery capacity in kilowatt hours. I appreciate some of your readers are more familiar with imperial units, so a period when dual units are used may be needed, but you should phase out the use of imperial units at the earliest opportunity without alienating some of the readers. It's difficult, this, isn't it? I no, have it thought is. about this it a is. lot. And yeah. in the UK, is weird anyway. So I remember my dad showing me at the end of a road in Petersfield called Frenchman's Road, there is a road sign, and I screenshotted it earlier to see if it's still there, and it, and it still is. And it says, height limit, 3.2 metres, open brackets, 10 foot, 300 yards ahead. 
<laughs> and there's no, we don't, there isn't a settled way of doing it, is it? No, no. It's. I think the reason we keep doing it is just because of, for for continuity reasons, yeah. isn't it? But he, I mean, he's right. He's right. He's right. Really. Thing is, I was, but I, when I was in Australia, they changed to metric. Mm. Um, so they talk about kilometres over there. If, if you if you try and talk about miles, they they think you've gone mad, really. Yeah, it is difficult. Isn't it? I, and I pick up a copy of an Australian magazine, and it says new. Ford Mustang with 450 kilowatts, and I think, how much is how much is that? Yeah, but totally. it, but it's um, but it, so in the rest of in the rest of Europe they use metric horsepower, don't they? Which is slightly smaller than a brake horsepower, which yeah. we and the Americans yes. use. Yeah, and it, but it but it is with electric cars in particular. It is a it would make more sense, wouldn't it, just to have yeah. a standardised unit? But it's because we quote efficiency in miles per kilowatt hours, and then motor power in horsepower torque still in pounds foot yeah but charging speeds in kilowatts per you know in kilowatts it's all it's yeah. it's just it's just taking that you know it reminds me of the day when sweden went from right to left hand drive and that, you know <laughs> there was just a cataclysmic day and yeah we'd have to do the same thing wouldn't yeah. we just just pass a resolution but i i just I'd rather somebody else did. The <laughs> <laughs> somebody else did the, the, the hard decision. thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, me too. But thank you, David. I, in short, I think you're right. But it, yeah. but I don't know when or where we'll we'll do it. We did. I'm used to have the conversation that people would write in and say, "Look, why don't you just stop using brake horsepower and use metric horsepower?" Because the European manufacturers quote in PS, so there is a two hundred. You know, two hundred. They they will call a car a two hundred or a two twenty, yeah. and we then make it one hundred ninety eight or two hundred seventeen. That's it. But then it, that then some of our sub editors and stuff will change American quoted horsepower to brake horsepower, and you think no 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 no, it was already brake horsepower. Don't change that. Don't change the Corvette stuff. It's all. It's yeah. all the, the amount of brain strain that goes on over this is a bit. Uh, it is a bit it's striking. At some point, I guess the move will be kilowatt metric for everything, and maybe yeah. it is. Electrification will make the difference. Yeah, maybe that's the final hurdle. The big hurdle. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure when I'll get used to seeing the front cover of a mag saying 300 kilowatt so no. and so and no. knowing what that means. Just doesn't sound emotional enough somehow. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? It is weird, isn't it? That is weird. Right. Let's talk your column, uh, which begins your week in cars begins Sunday last week when you spotted some Bath Bath Motor Club. Yeah, I was just um, hanging around the neighbourhood. You know, just uh, just. I don't know, can't even remember what I was doing. But there were there were a clump of little cars, you know, two oh sixes, micras, fiestas, all, you know, fairly low volume cars, but quite well prepared for motorsport. Mm. And they were they were all just sort of rushing around the neighbourhood. And they, we've got a, a several old airfields near us, and they seemed to pause at each one and do a couple of driving tests that involved a you know a lap of the taxiways. Mm. So quite quick, mm. you know, I would think you know, 90 miles an hour at the fastest point, that sort of thing. And they'd do a couple of these and then move on. And there was a bit, so there was a navigation element and there was a competition element. Oh, and so the, the road bit would have been a yeah, road valley navigation road, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think you had to do it in a, you know, weren't allowed to break the speed limit, but mm. you had to do it in a particular time, I think. That's gotcha. But the, uh, the, the, it just it just struck me as fun. And they were all having a good time. It was a nice day. Mm. The cars were interesting, but no, not expensive yeah which just makes it better to me sporty cars or not necessarily no sort of small hatchbacks two 206 fiesta micra mm. and not just, the hot versions 
Not really. Very no, good. no, they t they tended to be the the ones you could afford. Yeah. And there, there were ninety cars in the field. Wow. There, there were five venues and I think ten or twelve different driving tests. I mean, I I just stood there and watched all these guys because I was just sort of watching them all go by, and I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to have a go. <laughs> and you know, that's the essence of motorsport to me. Yeah. There wasn't anybody standing there quaking because they were likely to bend their, you know, £100,000 bolide and they didn't mm. have to have, you know, special expensive pyjamas on or any of that. They just got in the car and drove the cobblers off it for a while and then went on to the next one. That's pretty good, isn't it? Really? So they don't have to be prepped in a motorsport, racing motorsport manner. Oh, that's and the bloke good, was, the, the guys I got talking to were saying they, you know, they're the keen ones do about 15 events like this a year. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's all day, you know, so you... You go get out with your mates, prepare the car, first event away, nine o'clock, all go home, four o'clock. See, that's nice. The other thing, you, you get quite a lot of driving and competition in that time, don't yeah. you? Yeah. It's not like a hill climb where you might get four minutes of competitive that's driving it, over a weekend. Most, yeah. 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 No, they were, it just just seemed perfect to me. I was, mm. I was really taken with it. So what are you going to do? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably... Uh, the thing I'd prob most likely to do is just give the Alpine a bit of a trot up Prescott or Shelsley Walsh mm -hmm. sometime this year. I, you know how busy our weekends get. Yeah. But um, I'd, 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 li I'd, I'd like hill climbing. I like the uh, I like the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And the people are nice. And, you you know, because I've been going there a good few years, I know them now. And mm -hmm. So probably do that. Do that. As long as I just don't want to stick the nose under the armco, preferably. Yeah, no, yeah, understandable. You, are you a member of a motor club? Yeah, yeah, two of them. Bugatti Owners Club run oh, Prescott. Okay. Yep. And um, uh, the Midland Automobile Club run mm. Chelsea Walsh. Oh, of course. They're my two local tracks, I suppose you would say. Yeah. yeah. A few others, but they're, they're the ones. I like yeah. the history. Mm. Well, I look forward to coming and seeing you doing a sprint or climb or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'll come and watch. Uh, motor shows part two of your column yeah do you miss them you do miss them don't you? I do I do I used to I can remember there was a point where um, I worked with some people who, who gradually sort of ran out of puff in this job and got less and less enthusiastic about it hmm. and I can remember encountering a couple of them going around the motor show whinging about their state of their feet and all that <laughs> and it, it was an amazing opportunity really to meet the the people who mattered in the European industry and see mm -hmm. all the new cars, and mm -hmm. you have to tell yourself that it's special. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know some some motor shows have been less successful in recent years and all that, but fact is, when when they were on song and when you were going around, you know, it's late February or early March at Geneva, and everything's right with the world. It used to be great. I mm. thought it is because I grew up going to. Motor Fair in London and the NEC yeah. Motor Show, and I remember going around as a you know as a teenager with a family, thinking, God, it'd be nice to go when it wasn't quite so busy, and you know we we you know it's like at the NEC and it costs you ten quid for a hot dog and five quid to park your car and yeah, yeah. everything else on top of the show ticket, and then uh, I think as a an engineering student I could go to a trade day and you go, oh this is better industry, yeah. and then as a journalist when you don't you know, when you get paid to go and you get to talk to the people who made the car, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Isn't people it? actually want you to go. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But I I sort of get it as well in that from a manufacturer perspective particularly I don't meet many manufacturers who are 
unhappy about the demise of the Geneva no. show no. because oh yeah if we want to go if we want to go with anybody we have to book a hotel room for five night minimum it costs millions of pounds to have a stand you're in competition with 40 other manufacturers for any headlines and yeah. any interest in everything else whereas uh, I think Ford do that go further event don't they they can take a load of dealers they can take a load of journalists they can take a load of fleet mm. managers and they can have their own event their own space cost them and they've started to do several products to yeah. the ones, haven't they? And that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think you're right, but I, I suppose I'm just thinking about the halcyon days of Geneva. Well, I used to love the way it announced the driving season. Yeah, and it's a good show. It was a good from a from from our perspective, a yeah. really good show because everything's in the same place. It's quite compact to get around. All the important people are there. Yeah, you'd get. We got. I mean, we get a lot out of it, don't we? Yeah. Uh, so Geneva is going to become Geneva and Qatar, is that right? Yeah, well, Geneva is, well, Qatar is going to be bad Geneva later this year Mm. because the Geneva, because the Qatar motoring festival people are using the expertise, so-called, of the Geneva folks to set up their new event Mm. or extend their event. But Geneva proper is going to run again next March. So 2024. Yeah. So the story goes, but I went to the launch of, of you know, there's some, some news about it, and I asked what I thought was the killer question and everybody else's killer question, mm-hmm. which was, how many major manufacturers have you signed up? And the answer was, we're not allowed to say. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and you uh, sort of think if it had been all of them, they would be allowed to they say. They would say, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the story went that, that the people who had signed up, there were numerous people who had signed up, but right. they... But they hadn't given the authorities permission to announce their participation yet, which mm. just sounded fishy, didn't it? Yeah. Still some ill feeling from manufacturers about the way Geneva was cancelled in 2020, is there? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Because yeah. it was very late, wasn't it? It was like yeah, days it, before, you know, literally. Yeah, millions of... Well, just went down the swanee, didn't yeah. it? Because and the, the irony was that all the people, you know, it was it was killed for... Covid reasons, but all the people who set it up would have had to unset it up, and they'd be associating with one another anyway. And mm. you know, all the all the the, the the sort of crowding and so on would 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 have gone on anyway. Yeah, I don't know many people who are hugely enthusiastic about going to Qatar for a motor show. No, you know, no. Well, of, on well, our side of things, maybe people who like luxury hotels and flat airlines. Oh, maybe, yeah, well, that rules us out. I think. <laughs> But the old, uh, you know, there is an element of, uh, of, of you know, launch tourism in attached to journalism, yeah. and uh, maybe the launch tourists will come out. <laughs> maybe <laughs> they'll come out at that point. Yeah, maybe they'll be sending their letters of uh, accreditation. In already, yes, please. yes. Yeah. I, so I'm not sure if you're aware of, uh, you know, that, but, but I am, you know, <laughs> hospital newspaper journalist. Right. Let's uh, talk Bentley before we, we'll have a break in a few minutes. But let's talk quickly before that. Actually, not quickly before that because this is. I want to spend a while talking about this. Bentley's W12 engine. Bentley has said they're going to stop making it as of or start phasing it out next year. Next year. You tell yeah. me the detail. Well, I think the detail is is just that they'll they're going to it's going to end, uh, you know, at a date next year, pretty soon. Um, so it's not that they'll stop using it in new things after that. They will literally that you think it'll, it'll just gone. be V eight plus hybrid after well, that. I think the plan is to, is is that everything will be hybrid yeah. quite soon and the and it you know it really will be uh it, it probably already 
doesn't uh, do much for their fleet CO2 figures. Oh, yes, okay, of course. And, uh, and you know, the, they're just... It's just a respectable way to say, you know, we're, we're stopping it. Yeah, and I suppose, yes, because they are under the same... Bentley sells, oh, how many cars a year? 15,000? Yeah, that, that would... So yes. they're well into the... Even in the EU, they're comfortably inside the the realms of people who have to reduce emissions by quite a lot yeah. over the coming years. And the W12 will do that. That's the quickest way to do that, isn't it? Bin that engine off, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So what do we think, mate? Um, Sound well, or not? Well, it's, A, it's quite a cool engine where it's used but I'm, I'm aware that we have always said as a as a mag and road testers we'll try the W12 of a car of a Bentley and say yeah really nice lovely but I bet the V8 will be better and then the V8 comes out and it's a bit lighter pretty much as quick a bit less thirsty sounds because nicer sounds usually. nicer usually and because there's less weight in the nose the car handles a bit better and we always go oh yeah buy the V8 not the W12 but now they're axing the W12 I think oh what a shame yeah yeah, it is funny, isn't it? It's just because it's, it was such a prodigious piece of engineering. Yeah. It's a clever um, engine, isn't it? It's yeah, very very, very compact, very short. Yeah. Um, and they did change the car to accommodate it. Do you remember, yeah. you know, when because the, the the gearbox configuration got got changed so that the the total length, you know, the front overhang wasn't as wasn't as as great. Oh, interesting. Uh, do you remember that when in the latest in the Series Three Continental GT that, that you know the the front wheels in effect are a bit further forward and that I think oh, that I was see. done for the because the transmission the adjustment the length of the transmission could be adjusted. Gotcha, gotcha. You make the point, or you ask the question: Is this going to increase yeah. or decrease the allure of the I W12 wish I knew. as it goes I on? I just wish I knew because it. it you know, if they start to fall in price, then we'll 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 be thinking, God, what an outrageously fantastic piece of engineering mm. for for not that much money, especially given you know the six hundred bhp plus. Yeah, what a privilege to own one. But on the other hand, there's part of you that thinks, well, you know, move on, mate. You know, get a, it's it's these these things have had their day, and I I think history is saying they've had their day, and perhaps, mm. but I don't. Mm, mm, well, you've got twenty years time, and you're thinking, right? I'll get a Bentley for the for the Sunday scrambles to go on display, and you walk around and you go, well, which do you want to see a W12 or a V8 Continental GT at that point? I would think it. I'd just like a it to be a W12 because it will be more different by yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I'll probably be whinging because because you know petrol's twenty quid a litre. <laughs> But the <laughs> synthetic fuel we can get will be twenty quid a litre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, interesting. And I'm, uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think the same. I sort of slightly regret how how, much, how unkind I've been to the W12 compared to the V8 <laughs> over the past few years. Now I've been it off. Forget the W12. It's all about the V8. Better sounding, cheaper. Yeah. What's not? What's not to like? Yeah, uh, it's just know. it's not always the same, isn't it? These yeah. things, they need, you know. They need some oxygen, even if they're not your number one choice. Yeah, yeah. Right, we'll take a very short break, and in a moment, Steve and I will be back with more My Week in Cars. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? 
car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello and welcome back. Uh, remember, you can write to Steve and I at autocar at haymarket.com. John Shepherd uh, has written to us. He says, Matt Pryor's testers notes, uh, which is what my column is called, from the 15th of February issue, might be a little bit optimistic regarding future light unit costs. Because I just joked that, well, I joked, I said, you know, imagine 10 years down the line when somebody needs to change a headlight and it turns out it's a, th- it's a thousand quid. He said, I broke the outer plastic shell of my Alfa Romeo Julia's off-site headlight at the end of last year. My Southampton Alfa dealer's repair branch told me that the part cost would be £1,660, including VAT, but not labour. They said that no part of the unit could be reused. This implies that if any of the LED or xenon elements were to fail independently of each other, then the whole unit would have to be replaced. A worry, noting the inclusion of running lights, indicator lights and cornering lights um, in the whole thing. So to top everything, they said that they had thrown away the old unit despite my specific request to have the damaged one returned to me. Not a surprise that Alfa Romeo didn't contact me to see how happy I was. Oh, what a shameful situation. Well, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? But yeah, that is so much money, isn't it? That is so much money. Yeah, your immediate reaction is, who would design a car like that? Yeah. That really does seem bad to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure not Alfa Romeo alone in this no, position no, I mean, no, it will be all of no. it will be pretty much all of them wouldn't it yeah and repair costs in i mean imagine damaging a headlight in 10 years time and effectively being told well that's probably going to write the car off yeah yeah you know, might as well and i look, it off, I look about 30 degrees left and i see through the through the window of this excellent vw <laughs> your landy which has got three extremely easy to replace rear tail lights. They are very easy to replace. I do think we probably have to replace them a bit more often than I would any of our other cars. But oh. but yeah, it's it's very easy. It is they both have um it seems to be a sort of self tapping screw into a piece of plastic that's mounted in just inside the bodywork. It's it's not the most robust system but it seems to work. But you can do, buy it do, on eBay. That's the main thing. Yeah, you can. And I just bought, I just popped to Halfords buy a bulb because it's just down the road. Buy a bulb cost me about three quid. Come back, plug it in, and that's that done. It does make you feel good, especially yeah. when hearing tales like that. Yeah, that is, that is that, pretty. <clears throat> actually, the behaviour of the dealer is uh, reprehensible. Yeah, to not give the. I mean, to not. Why would you not give the part unless there's uh, because you, that that sort of part isn't a. An exchange part is it? It's not like you no. give a damaged one, but no, you, you just, want you to just, say to just, the just, yeah, give it back. It's your so property, can, mate. Yeah, it's mine, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so thank you for your uh, note, John. If, um, commiserations, uh, John. commiserations. Yeah, because that's pretty wrong. And I just well, we've talked about this bit before. Repair costs going forwards, and there are there are standards, aren't there? The right of repair. There are standards on domestic goods that don't apply, I, I guess, to passenger cars and to an extent i wonder what kind of right of repair should exist yeah i also mate i'm just a bit tired of the brightness of some headlights yeah. these days i was so and i can use it myself do you know what i mean i can put it on high beam myself it's not that hard i'm not sure i don't i'm not sure i need all of the technology that's got do you find headlights. yourself turning away from the i often if i'm not happy with the automatic lights and their mm. performance i i find myself doing it doing it myself because I think I can make a better decision than the yeah. gizmo. Yes, often. Often. Yeah. Actually, this multivan's pretty good, I've got to say. 
Some um, are much better. Some than are much better they? than others. Yeah, and but some are very. Yeah, some I think are really are really poor, yeah. and. I also got a, a beef with headlight switches these days because what's wrong with a turny, a turny knob that goes well? This one's auto or off, and then that's side lights and that's headlights. Because yeah. I parked this van last night and I was I'd parked on the wrong side of the road effectively just to pull over and, and wait for somebody to pick somebody up, and I was like, well, I don't want the headlights on, so let's switch it on to side lights. But trying to find a switch to put it onto side lights when it's just got a panel of about eight switches on that you can't I mean you couldn't use it on the move because yeah. it's just dangerous you can't look down that far no that, no no, no you don't want to be and uh, yeah you just keep pushing the mode you keep pushing the mode button and then there's a slight delay until anything happens and I just get fr- so frustrated with it so it seems so unnecessary for I don't know how little overall safety benefit yeah really yeah but that yeah that, that isn't it amazing that those tiny delays, you know, for an electronic response mm. aren't enough for our brains. Yeah. You get frustrated, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I like, if I'm thanking somebody at night for waiting, I like to dip the headlights down to side lights rather than fl- give a, a flash. Yeah. And I was driving, what was I driving the other day? Uh, I was driving a Renault Zoe. And you can turn it down to side lights on the end of the column stalk, but it takes about half a second to go down and then to go back. But I couldn't do it in the multivan at all. You can't switch to side lights on the move quickly, if at all. Yeah. Just and I, I don't know. I just want the choice. <laughs> Give me the choice back. Um, can we talk my column for a bit? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, mate, this is a this is a grand subject that we're about to attack. Well, there's two, are there? I guess so. It, I don't. Well, the second one, I'm not sure. I'm no. I'm. I'm not sure. I know enough about motorsport to talk authoritatively about this, but we'll try. So the new Australian supercars season is round the corner. I was really interested. That, that, that's where you, that's the le- when you have the least trouble deciding whether to oh, renew yeah. their subscription. A subscription to various things, as we all have, you know, do, do magazines or newspapers or TV streaming or whatever. 40 quid to watch the Australian Supercars Championship. And that is number one for you? That's it. Uh, that would be the last one I gave up. That's it. Because you can watch... Uh, all of the day's action over the usually three days of a of a race weekend. So there's practice on Friday, qualifying and racing and practices on Saturday and Sunday, but also all of the other support races too. And there are some quite cool historic um, races in the Australian Championship mm. with you know the old uh, Commodores and stuff tearing around, plus some little Japanese tearaways and things, Mazda, rotary Mazdas and stuff. So it's all very good fun. But I like the racing, the main game. The, the Supercars Championship is my motorsport of choice. And for the last few years, some drivers have said, yeah, you know, when they're following each other closely, they get in dirty air and it affects the aerodynamic efficiency of the car, starts to overheat the, the brakes a bit and the engine a bit. So with a new generation of car due to race, uh, they've created a new chassis called the Gen 3 supercars. The Holden Commodore is no more. The Ford Falcon became the Mustang a couple of years ago. But they've designed this new generation of cars with Chevy Camaros and Ford Mustangs as the bodies. They look brilliant. Wheels seem to be bigger, filly arches. But the engines are still separated. The engines are still separated, yeah. They're supposed to be a bit more road-based than they were because they were a sort of race-prepped, race-designed, 5-litre V8 Everybody used a 5-litre V8, but they designed and built their own. I think pretty expensive. And they've now said, well, the Chevy is a 5.7-litre unit. Theoretically, sort of 
LS Chevy unit based. I'm not sure how much it is, but it's still a pushrod unit. And the Ford is a 5.4 um, Ford Coyote based overhead cam unit. So they've matched the power outputs as best they can. But you said the thing I enjoyed in your column was, mm. it was uh, this discussion that even though they're similar, they, they achieve a similar, um, <clears throat> you know, end result. They 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 slightly different. Yeah, I think they, they get there in a slightly, slightly different, way, different delivery. Affects the yeah. racing, and I think it affects the racing. And supercars takes parity really, really seriously. You know, that's the the main thing in the in the formula, as far as I understand, is. The people who run the championship say, we want these cars to be exactly the same speed in a straight line. And when it comes to the corners, you do whatever setup you like, you know, within certain yeah. regulations. But all regulations in in racing, apart from those that are for driver safety, are to some way involving parity between competitors. Now, if that's a cost cap on Formula One, the idea is you don't just spend your way yeah. out of everything. But I... I speak to some people who have a real problem with balance of performance yeah. as a as a uh, as an idea, and they say, "Look, you wouldn't put you wouldn't put weights in Usain Bolt's shoes just because he runs faster than everybody else. That's anti-competitive. Why are you doing that in a sport?" But I get it, and when it comes to I think GT racing in particular and sports car racing, if you're watching cars that are road-based going racing you would never be able to get a Bentley Continental GT or a BMW M8 as competitive as, say, a Ferrari 488-based sure. car. Was it because they're, or a Ford GT, because yeah. they're much bigger. Yeah, they're so much bigger. So if you don't do balance of performance, then what you end up with is somebody like the Ford GT. Yeah. Ford come along, they design a racing car, they build just as many as they can get away with for the road, and it clears up everywhere. So but Your other point... Which I thought think is, is is really vital is that this therefore means that the decider is driving ability. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that's the that's, nice thing about that's supercars. Great, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's what we want. Yeah, that's yes. It becomes much more visible who is quick and who is not, and who runs the best team and who doesn't. And, and in those cars, you know, which are you know take a bit of wrestling, don't they? And yeah, and the and the, the, the circuit, you know, Bathurst, as we know, is is, is such an awesome yeah. circuit, and you know that that requires special resources of a driver it does and, and yeah. uh, that's perfect yeah and uh, the nice thing about supercars too is that they in the new gen car they have stuck with a central column mounted shift uh rather than going to steering wheel paddles i mean it doesn't make a huge difference but the driver can occasionally miss shift and you see and the, in, the in car stuff yeah, going on, in I car guess, stuff yeah. they've got to they've got to grab it they quite often heel and toe on downshifts just to smooth out the the, just to smooth out the braking a bit yeah. on the way down, which is cool. Most of them do that. Not very many of them, if 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 any, in the field at the moment do left foot braking as a matter of course. Some will do it through some corners, but by and large they'll 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 right foot brake and lift down, magic, isn't it? which is cool because they have pedal box cameras too. And it just it's a series that understands the show is the important bit. Yeah, and it's actually the technological advancement is not the important bit with supercars. You know, right. they've no, got they've... locked differentials, and you know they've just suddenly lost sixty percent, seventy percent of downforce that they had last season. So yeah, that's it. Should be, statistic. it should be. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. When's the first event? Uh, I think it's March the tenth. I think so. Weekend after next. I might next. have to part with the forty quid. You know, it's good. They do a. So somebody asked me about this the other day. Where can you watch it? Supercars do a, a thing called Superview, which is, which is their own channel through their own website the videos are not 
that easy to scroll through to find where the action starts. That is the thing. It just comes up and it's like, yeah, here's seven hours of footage. And you go, oh, blimey, where am I going to find? So you've just got to spool through to the right spot. But they also have a YouTube subscription where they put all the races on YouTube, but you have to pay us, I think, a similar amount for the footage. But then they also, on that channel, have like post-race interviews and um, some of the qualifying stuff. But when you look at some of the thumbnails on the YouTube bit, I think, well, that gives me a clue as to who's involved at the front end of that race. And I don't want to know that. Yeah. So Because I watch it afterwards rather than live. So I, I will stick with the supercars thing. And I think one of the, maybe it was Eurosport or one of the satellite channels, used to do a post-race replay but I don't know if they still do might be still on Eurosport but then it's only once and sometime after the event I think so, so here is my killer question Go on. are you a Ford or a GM man oh I'm easy actually I don't mind that's the nice of not being Australian I don't have to worry about it I would I have I am a fan of who is not winning everything at the time that's a good idea yeah I th- so in 2019 or 20 I think 2019 I had a real problem with Ford because they, um, during the Bathurst 1000, there was a late pit stop. And to ensure that Scott McLaughlin won the race, they instructed his teammate, Fabian Coulthard, over the radio to slow the field up under the safety car so that McLaughlin could make a pit stop and still get out in front of everybody else. And they got fined for it, but they didn't get the wind taken off them. And from that point on, for a year or for a good year or two, I was pretty miffed about Ford doing anything. Yeah. But Shane Van Gisbergen now wins everything. And I think, oh, it would be quite all right if Shane wasn't winning all the yeah. time. And Ford have hired, in the Shelby Power team, have hired a, a guy called Will Davison, who is about 40-ish and still competitive. So I quite like the fact that <laughs> old fellas doing it. So I like I like them a lot. Uh, so, so you really are. So, yeah, I'm very mixed. I just like the dri- I just like the character of the drivers. Yeah, yeah. And the great thing about the coverage is they're very good. They're very open. They walk into the pit garage at pretty much any time, have a chat with somebody. The drivers are always... I mean, it's very, very rare that a driver will, will, you know, will not want to talk to somebody. And they're always pretty honest in there. They're pretty honest and straightforward in that Australian way that I like very much, me. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I think it's good. It's what I will watch. Yeah, well, I'm going to get you've you've sold me. Support. Sold. There we go. <laughs> uh, right. Finally, for this week, I think we have time to. Oh, it, do you want to talk on. about the other bit on the bottom of your column? Oh no, that was only. I think that was it in the end. I think okay. I just I was going to make room for something else, and I'm not sure I had room for anything else. Oh, sorry. So no. that's it. Yeah, no, that's no. it. Uh, oh no, yeah, the second bit was just balance of performance in general. Oh, I see. I've got I've got time for balance of performance, and people don't. But yeah. I don't. I don't see how you run GT racing without it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm in favour of it being a driver competition mm. in spectacular cars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your last bit of your oh no, there's two more bits of your column. Tell me about the Hyundai Ionic Six. Well, I just um, I badly wanted to know what to do with this, what what this car was like because it's so looks so extraordinary and it's aerodynamic and all mm. that. Quite closely relates to the Genesis and the Ionic Five, as we know. They seem to be poulticing the market don't they you know, yeah, don't you know they. there's no room for anyone else but um i just the thing i found is that there's so many bongs going on you know whenever you select anything or deselect yeah. anything or drive through a speed limit sign or don't drive through a speed limit sign and there's this there's this car sort of bonged at you and I, I i spent about 20 minutes in my back garden trying to you know with with everything on in the car turning it all off and the tr- the trouble with that is that you turn everything off and you've turned off half the safety equipment as mm. well. So the 
the kind of tra- cross traffic gizmo that looks up and down the road for you, which is helpful. You know, you kill that because you're so cheesed off of the bomb. My missus goes up in the air over the uh, over the the bombs. You know, she just said, "I'm done." You know, let's go in the Astro. Let's go in the Alpine. Yeah. yeah. Let's go on foot. Yeah. Let's do anything that doesn't yeah. nag you like no that. Bombs. I know. I don't know how because they sound so similar, and you don't know what they're about half the time. Yeah. So some cars will start bogging if you don't have a seatbelt on even before you've started moving, won't they? Yeah. But one, Highway Co says I can reverse without a seatbelt on for a start because it's safer to lean over my shoulder. But two, I just, I just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I just got well, it. well, you do find yourself sort of peering at the dashboard to see what sort yeah, of. Yeah. What's warning. it telling me now? Is it, yeah. it's, you know, is the is a sort of tailgate open or something? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. yeah. It is. Um. It, it's imperfect. Imperfect. It's. Mm. it's I'd be, I think I'd be much wiser with with all the systems working, but no, um, no, no warnings, yeah. please, no right. alerts. And is the car any good? I haven't driven it yet. Um, very good, lovely refined um, uh, powertrain, as they all are. Pretty quiet. Well, I mean, you know, from the point of view of road noise and wind noise and so on, but but a bit lumpier than I expected at mm. low speed. I was a little bit disappointed because I've I've read. What I read, which is <clears throat> fairly restricted, I, I um, I was I sort of led to believe it would do a slightly better job in the in the sort of uh, potholed suburbs than it than it does do. No, so, really. so I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah. I want to try. The, I'm trying to get on terms with these cars, so I'm driving as many as possible. And the, the one I really want to drive again is the BMW i4, mm-hmm. because especially the two-wheel drive model, which. I think is quiet and fairly good riding. Yeah, I think our road testers like it. Yeah, a lot, and they like that yeah. rear-wheel drive one more than the M50 yeah, the, or whatever they call it. Yeah, sort of mad one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right then, last thing. We did a actually we did a good test didn't we, the other day. We recorded last week's podcast while we were doing this cheap car. Yeah. Test Britain's best cheap car. That's it. Uh, but yes, yeah, your short the short of it. You think buy now, keep buy one now, keep for it for forever well if 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 you if you're sort of um, bothered by what the hell to do in the matter of electrification hmm. it seems to me that you, you know you just you just buy one use it use it for transport knowing that it will be as cheap as anything there is to 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 insure and and fuel and uh, you know when it gets to 100,000 miles in about 2033 you know like my son's has done he's, hmm. I've got a son who's still got one of those Scrappage 2003 specials. He refuses to sell it. <laughs> I keep saying, "Mate, you need a new car." And he says, "No, I've got one." Yeah, I've got one. I've got a perfectly good car. I like that. I like that idea. Perfect and these fit. cars. So that was we were talking. You were talking specifically about the high end i10. But yes, we I were was. on a job with Kia Picanto, Dacia Sandero, oh, and a MG3 as well, weren't we? Last week. That's it. Yeah. 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 Good. I mean, the thing that struck me about that was that we got. We all got so keen on those cars didn't we you mm. know considering and if they'd all been three times more expensive i i, th- I think we you know our enthusiasm wouldn't have been quite so childlike no i think you're right i think you're absolutely right it's sub fifteen thousand pounds every single one of them which is hard to find these days i think matt saunders our road test editor has worked out there are eight cars you can buy under fifteen thousand pounds which is not very many and the Sandero starting price used to be seven grand, didn't it? Yeah. Not very long ago. Yeah. And it now starts at oh, thirteen four fifty, I yeah. think. It's a lot of car there. It's a lot of car for the money. 
the thing I loved finding was it was how to drive these these cars. You know the and the the, the the secret of the I ten to me was just just give it the beans <laughs> everywhere and, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And make sure it's pulling four or five grand all yeah. the time. It's really smooth, fairly quiet. Yeah. Lovely little engine. Lovely engine. Fantastic gear shift. Yeah. I still think the greatest gear shift in yep. in production yep. today. Oh, and there is a oh, there's something about the agility and the the lack of inertia behind them that just makes them fun to Narrow, punt along, doesn't so it? So there's yeah. plenty of ro- you're always well, we've got plenty of road space. I, yeah. I just think it's. Every home should have one. Yeah, I, I would not disagree. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's pod, but I can tell you that going up, I think, well, by the time this podcast has come out, there will be a video uh, on those four cars, Britain's Best Cheap Car, presented by me and uh, James Disdale. So you can find that over at the YouTube. Um, you can find Autocar on all the social channels. You can find us at autocar.co.uk, although Steve and I uh, have columns and there are also features Quite a lot of them you can only find in the magazine, which you can find uh, digitally or in print as it has been every week since 1895. My Week in Cars will be back for its six-month anniversary this time next week. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Thank you, man. See you next week. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.